It is so good to see all of you here tonight. God bless you. How blessed we are. So thankful to see all of you on this nice, uh, cool Wednesday afternoon. We knew Oklahoma weather was coming. We just didn't know when, right? <laughs> well, it's good to see all of you. Uh, we've come here for two things. We're going to worship our Lord and our Master, and we're going to receive from the Word. And He's promised He's promised to meet us here. He is here, and I'm so thankful for that. Let's all stand, and let's begin with page 96 at the cross. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? I'm going to read out of the King James Version tonight, and it'll be just Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The faith is the substance of things that we hope for, but we don't have the evidence of it because we haven't seen it or sensed it. You know, hope paints a beautiful picture. Faith 
puts us in that picture. Faith will put us in the picture because Christ has put us in the picture. Father, tonight we are here in your mighty name, Father God. And we thank you for the opportunity that you've given us, Father, together tonight to worship you, Father God. Father, we thank you that we walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, it is your mighty name that we hang on to. It is your Son's blood that has washed us and cleansed us and made us whole, Father. And we thank you, Father. We thank you for the word that will be spoken tonight, Father God. We thank you for the lifting up that your word brings, Father. That we will be able to be given words of hope. That we'll build words of faith, Father God. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Thank you, Danny. And again, welcome. Uh, I lead worship at 8 o'clock, and we don't have Facebook going then, and I kind of get stumbling around on the other services. So Facebook family, thank you for joining us. We're so glad that you're here. And sermon audio, is did I say that right? Okay, yes, very good. Thank you. Can y'all tell I'm not very uh, technologically savvy? Can you tell that? <laughs> oh, but we're so glad that for all the ways that God has allowed you to be here by His divine intervention, and we're so thankful for that. Let's sing this beautiful song, page 145 in the hymnal. I will sing of my Redeemer. I will sing of my Redeemer and His wondrous love to me.
opportunity we have once again to be together to worship him uh, we'd like to recognize any guests or visitors if there are any if you're a guest or visitor feel free to stand we'd love to get to know you and introduce yourself not seeing any any celebrations any birthdays or anniversaries brother medley what are you celebrating birthday. well jump right up there birthday boy yeah all right happy birthday to only one will not do Only get in Christ Jesus Happy birthday to you Thank God, Mike, we appreciate you. I had the privilege of knowing both his mom and dad, and I'm very dear friends with his brother. His brother's like a brother to me. And, and so when we go way back from the fire station, he used to come by and see his brother, and that's how I got to go know Mike years ago. So isn't God good? How he just pieces our lives together. He's just such a good God. Such a good, good God. Um, before we sing this next song, I'd just like to uh, pause for just a moment. And um, just want to encourage you. We, I just would like to have a moment of prayer. And uh, I know that uh, if there are more than one life represented, there's more than one burden, more than one need. Uh, this is a broken world we live in, isn't it? It's a broken world we live in now. That's not to speak despair. We know it is finished. We know that God has taken care of everything. But I want to give opportunity. He said, come to me with your, with your heaviness, with your burden, and, and put my yoke upon you, and, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So we want to go to the Lord in prayer. I would just ask if you've got anything on your heart, on your mind, that uh, you would just like to slip up your hand and just, just between you and God, and God knows all about that. All right, let's go to Him in prayer. Father... We come before your throne today, Lord. We come boldly only because you say that we can. It's nothing to do with our goodness. It's not our righteousness, Lord. We are nothing without you. And I thank you for the access we have to your throne. Father, I thank you for every life that is represented here, every family. Lord, I know that you're aware of every need. And Father, help us to continue to trust you. Father, soften our hearts. They so quickly become calloused again. Soften our hearts. And Lord, may we lean on on you. May we cast our anxiety on you because you care for us. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's sing page 230. He paid a debt he did not owe. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, amazing 
to the throne of God with this beautiful song. I've heard about it. I was out Sunday, didn't get to be here, but I'm looking forward. I got a chance to hear it tonight. So. <laughs> All right, so the, uh, I was asked about 30 minutes ago to sing this song again. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I got that one. Um, just over the, the lyrics real quick for anyone who might not have got the lyrics. Uh, oh, the blood of Jesus that washes white as snow. Uh, ho de mo shell Yeshua, Demo is blood, and then shell Yeshua is of Jesus, and then Kishleg uh, Malbin is uh, washes white as snow. Now the Kishleg is snow, but it's a formal, quite formal snow that His blood prepares us for that day that we will see Him. Yes, you are. Oh, 
on vacation, you know. <laughs> I want to read to you from Luke 22, the 42nd verse. Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. It is nighttime. Is that echoing? It is nighttime. It is very still. There's a small wind blowing. The air is very thick, very heavy. There's slight sound of breathing from a varying points of a locale, locale in which we have entered. There's the aroma of olives in the air, freshly pressed oil. The aroma is combined with the sweet fragrance of blossoms and the scent of pine trees. And as we go, we hear muffled groans and the sound of someone gasping for air. And we go a little bit further and we come upon a lonesome figure. He's half sitting, half kneeling, leaning against a rock. Droplets of blood are clinging to his temples. He raises his head and he cries, Father, please let this cup pass from me. We watch him. 
as his head drops and he sobs and he moans and finally he raises his head and declares, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus has come to the hour of decision. There's a war going on, perhaps the most significant war in the history of creation. Jesus has come full circle. He has come face to face with the paradox of his existence. The contradiction, the paradox is the contradiction between being human and divine. The struggle with the need for self-preservation and the need for literal self-sacrifice. And out of this struggle, the most important decision for all eternity had to be made. The pain and agony that Jesus experienced are not uncommon for anyone who truly believes in God and has the spirit of Jesus Christ. To believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he was crucified and that he was raised from the dead is paradoxical. To live a life with the Christian faith as its foundation is paradoxical. What is a paradox? It's defined by Webster's Dictionary. I'll read it for you. One, a seemingly contradictory statement which nonetheless may be true. Two, Webster's Dictionary says a paradox is a person, a situation, or action exhibiting inexplicable or contradictory aspects. And number three, an assertion that is self-contradictory, although based on valid deductions from an acceptable premise. And number four, finally, a statement contrary to received opinion. I have explored and I'm still exploring the paradox that is the Christian life and how to live within that paradox. God has designed to redeem me, to mold me, and to shape me in the spirit of Jesus Christ. But I, as Carol can tell you, I'm very, very human. I know about goodness I know about kindness. I know long, about long-suffering and gentleness and mercy. And I'm, I'm very much aware of, of people lying and cheating and backbiting and gossip and stealing. And I've gained much knowledge and experience has given me wisdom. And yet I'm subject to a lot of ignorance that may never be overcome by learning or living. I have learned how to love unconditionally. Yes, I'm also subject to some prejudices. I also possess an impatience with human behavior. It's often a stumbling block in my ability to be a pastor to people and a brother to those in need. I have a passion for the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and for the word of God. I have a passion for Christ's church. I have a passion for the ordained ministry. I am subject to human passions as well. The agony of having one's full humanity at war with his or her divinity is awesome. As a Christian, I have learned the lesson of struggling 
between two planes of existence, the temporal and physical and the eternal. The battle that I rage is often with myself, and I'm telling you something. I'm not always happy with the outcome. But thanks be to God that each new day brings the capacity to meet the battle and continue the struggle for wholeness and holiness. It is not strange to me then that in Romans 7, 14, 15, and 21 and 23, St. Paul says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold into slavery under sin. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not know what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do that which is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of the God in my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this bodily of death? Oh, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes, living in a paradox and living with contradictions, that can really be awesome. <laughs> with arthritis and the loss of hearing, <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed that or not, <clears throat> It's my newest companions. I am learning of the contradictions between being a body that is beginning to fail me and while it is yet able to house the spirit of Christ which grows with energy and vitality with every day. Now, as we return to the nighttime and the stillness, Jesus in his divine resolve has said, not my will, but thine be done. And he stands to his feet and he's prepared to become the greatest sacrifice of all time. He stands ready to walk fully in the paradox of his humanity and divinity. Jesus' entire existence was a paradox. His entire life manifested the contradictions between being fully human and fully divine. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and yet he shed his divine robes and he dressed in human flesh. This is how St. Paul in the second chapter of Philippians could say that Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient, even to death, death on the cross. Jesus was born to people who were very poor. He could have come to royalty, to royalty, but he chose a life of a humble tradesman. 
Do you know we worship a Jewish carpenter? A lot of people in my family were carpenters and plumbers and ranchers and farmers in my background. This is how Paul described that. Let's see. Jesus was born of people, yeah. Jesus could have commanded a host of servants, you know. But he chose the life of someone who was homeless and a wanderer and accepting the hospitality of those who would be kind. And if no hospitality was available, he and his uh, disciples would camp out in a place like the Mount of Olives. The Son of God and man was subject to racial ethnocentrism and nationalistic pride. This is evidenced as we read of his encounter with a Syrophoenician woman. Now, a Syrophoenician woman would have been regarded as a dog around the uh, uh, people of Jewish descent. Jesus initially uh, rejected her request for healing her daughter, who was, who was, her, her, her daughter was possessed by demons. And Jesus' response to the woman meant that he was reserving healing only for the children of Israel alone. And yet the woman's persistence evidenced a faith that the divine Jesus could not ignore. He therefore spoke the word and her daughter was healed. Jesus as the Messiah broke with all the traditions and concepts held by the people. Tradition taught that he would come as a great military leader, a ruler who would deliver Israel from Roman oppression and restore Israel to its former greatness. Jesus, however, came to usher in a new era and being Liberation, liberation from spiritual bondage. Jesus came to be not a military king, but the king of righteousness, the king of justice, the king of peace. Jesus came to bring God closer to you, closer to me, closer to humankind, and bring humankind all back to God. And this is how the prophet Isaiah could say, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Jesus stood ready to meet his betrayer, and the guard who came to arrest him, he's going to take him to his last leg of his life's journey. And though there may have been unreadiness and uneasiness because of the concern for the disciples who happened to be sleeping at the time, and, uh, uh, and they would be charged with the carrying on of his mission, and though there may have been uneasiness for fear of the momentary uh, separation from his heavenly Father uh, as he bore the sins of the world upon his cross, and though his humanity showed doubts, his divine resolve was to say, Not my will, but thine be done. Those simple words were the solution for the paradox that is the life of a Christian. Not my will, but thine be done. 
Jesus triumphed in the garden because he remembered that his humanity was merely a vessel for his divinity. He remembered that he was born not for the fulfillment of the human condition, but for the fulfillment of God's promises and God's purposes. To live in the paradox then is to realize that our humanity is merely the vessel and the instrument through which the essence of who we truly are comes forth. To live in the paradox means that our lives must be like lived contrary to popular opinion and beyond the beliefs even of human society. To live in the paradox then means to recognize that we are fully human but to allow that which is divine in us to shine through. That is how one songwriter could write, Jesus is the light that shineth in me. Jesus is the light that shineth in me. It will show up. It will show up in me. Living in the paradox means that everything we are as human beings is challenged by who we are as an heir to the kingdom of God. While we live a life pressured by human standards and pushed by society's mores and traditions, we recognize that this world is not our final home. We have an eternal home, not made with human hands. It is established over in Zion. It has our name on it. Your name's on your house, and it's waiting for you. Living in the paradox means that even though society tells us that we're nothing unless we have credentials or degrees or titles, uh, uh, our divinity tells us that we need only one source of self-esteem. We only need one source of self-esteem, and that is our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Our humanity tells us that we have to have certain uh, credentials. Well, we need a fat job. We need a fine home. We have to have a fine car, a splendid wardrobe. And we must strive to live large by any means necessary. The divinity in us lets us know that there is no substitute for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which brings peace that passeth all understanding. No matter what state or material condition you and I are in, our divinity will teach us that there is no substitute for the skirt or pants of truth or the vest of righteousness or the shoes of preparation of the gospel of peace or the hat of salvation or the coat of the Spirit of God. Living in the paradox means that even though we are human, we are, tr we are truly believers in Jesus Christ, then we too inevitably will come face to face with our divinity. We too will come face to face with our cross. We too must become a human sacrifice bearing the sins of the world upon our shoulders. Divine destiny calls us to God's service and God's purposes. Though we are human, the price for our salvation is our lives. We are redeemed 
to give ourselves totally over to God. And that is why St. Paul in Romans 12 said, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your, your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Living in the paradox means that no matter how difficult the trials, no matter how numerous the tests, even though our humanity makes us afraid, it makes us weak, our divinity enables us to have strength, and the psalmist said, The Lord is the light of my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. From whom shall I dread? For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up upon a rock. Psalm 27. This is how the prophet Isaiah said, Those who wait upon the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and they'll not be weary. Living in the paradox means that even though our humanity places us in situations where we may feel powerless, we may feel defeated, our divinity grants us power from God, walk power to walk right, the power to talk right, the power to pray right, the power to stay right, the power to be unpopular, power to be living sacrifice, power to live in the paradox, power, power, wonder-working power. Let's sing that song. Let's stand as we sing. Power in the blood. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you be a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. Oh, there's power, power, in the blood of land. Yes, there's Would you do service for Jesus, your King? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you give praises to sing? Oh, there's wonderful power in the blood. Yes, there's power, power, underworking power in the blood of the Lamb. Yes, there's Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, Brother King. And just so everybody understands, our pastor is well. Believe it or not, he's taken a little break. 
And he needs a big break. So let's just continue to lift him up in our prayers. Thank you, Brother King. Thank you, Brother Tom, for all that you do. We're so blessed with all of the ministers of the gospel. We're such a blessed church. Thank you. Thank you. Father, tonight we're so thankful for the word that was rightly divided and the truth, Father. We thank you for that. I pray, God, that you would have it settle, Holy Spirit, in our hearts Father, help us not to live beneath our means. Help us to recognize who we are in you to stand on your promises. And yes, Lord, we struggle. Yes, Lord, your servant brought that out tonight. And oh, do we struggle. But I'm so thankful that you want our struggles, you want our brokenness, and you give us victory in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.